Hello, welcome to All Round Mine with Primark, the podcast where some fabulous faces are opening their doors and welcoming us in to have a nose around. I'm George Lawton. And I'm Ariel Free, and we are inviting you all round. So what are you waiting for? Come on in. How have you been, George? I've been very good. Thanks, Ariel. Before we get to our wonderful guest yet, I've just got mm. to ask you really quickly, because you did lighting design I at did. uni, right? Yeah. I need some lamps. Okay. Give me some advice on lighting. So I've got, like... I just feel like it's a bit harsh. Mm. What, what, what would be your top tip? Do you know what? I'm really glad you've said this because there is nothing worse than just having the big light on. Yes. I feel like for a nice, cosy, intimate feel in a space, you need a number of different lamps scattered around the place with some nice, low-level, warm bulbs in them. Well, this is my new discovery because I realise I don't have to just get bright white bulbs no, anymore. No. I got an off-white one the other day. Changed mm. the game. Also... <laughs> What is your thoughts on Himalayan salt lamps? Right, okay. I like the look of them. They look really nice. They emit a lovely warm glow. Mm. However, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but there's a lot of false science around the world of Himalayan salt lamps. Right, so this is where I'm going to disagree with you. I mean, I don't know what this science is saying, but I got a wee small Himalayan salt lamp. Uh I haven't tasted it, so I don't know if it is salty, but I'm (laughs) so tempted to do that every time I see it. It's got the most beautiful glow to it, Mm -hmm. but... Since I got this lamp, no word of a lie, I have had the best night's sleep ever. Like, I have yet to have a really rubbish night's sleep. The only thing I can figure out is that it's definitely this lamp. Okay, definitely don't lick it because it's an electrical appliance, Ariel. Would advise against it. However, I think the fact that it's just like a nice warm source might make you feel better. Do you think that's what it is? But, I mean, there's nothing else to it, really. It's literally just a nice-looking lamp. It's not to do with, like, the salts and the crystals. No, it's not. But it looks lovely. And I can't take that away from you. It does look really nice. And I kind of want one. I would highly recommend, but, like, just don't lick it, like you say. Yeah, maybe not. Although I did go to a garden centre the other day, saw a Himalayan salt lamp, was kind of tempted to lick. No, not one that's just sat in a garden centre. At least give it a clean. Yeah, especially in this current climate Exactly, that is not the one. Okay, I think it's time we get to our guest. I think it is. On the podcast today, our guest is the inspirational JJ Chalmers. Presenter, public speaker, Invictus Games medalist and a firm favourite of mine from the most recent Strictly Come dancing series. A favourite of mine also and a fellow Scot, Ariel. Yes, I'm looking forward to seeing if he's got any tokens from home in the house. You've got to have a wee light Scottish and not to Scotland. Scotland surely in the home. We'll find out and I'm really looking forward to this. Let's go all round JJ's. Let's go. What's happening folks? Uh, Welcome to my home. So my house is about 120 odd years old. Uh, Once upon a time it was probably like a five bedroom, not quite mansion, but like, you know, your proper big sandstone with all ornate features and servants' quarters, but sometime, I think, in the 60s, they flatted it. So we live on the bottom floor. We've got the whole footprint of the house. We bought it about five years ago, I think. Yeah, because my daughter's four and a half. So we renovated the whole place ourselves, which is something we've done with a couple of flats and whatnot in the past. My wife's the designer, and I'm the maker, although she can absolutely get her hands dirty now and get stuck in. She does all the painting as well. But the problem with it really was that they, when they turned it into flats, they had left the sort of servant's kitchen, this pokey little room at the back of the house, and they had these huge formal spaces at the front. So our vision was we are moving the kitchen into one of these spaces and making a kind of kitchen, living, dining room. And that's what we did. We got a massive kitchen island. We got a massive dining table that I built. Uh, and then a couple of chairs uh, in the bay window with uh, my 
daughter's arts and crafts table and in her little kitchen and stuff and shop in the corner. But they're in keeping with the design and fairness. And then on the other side of the house, we have like what was the formal living room and still is. It's got a couple of sofas and a nice fireplace wood burner. But we do most of our living in that sort of kitchen dining space. My kids have got a bedroom, as I say, which is all on one floor, so it's really easy to get to. We've got the family bathroom, which is just next to the kids. Uh, We've got a spare room, which in fairness, I think we're going to move the kids into because it's slightly bigger and I want to build a mezzanine floor in that to make better use of the space because our ceilings are about three and a half metres tall, I think. I mean, it's very tall. And then we have our master bedroom of the three bedrooms we have it's the middle-sized one but actually what we did is we knocked through a wall and created a nice walk-in wardrobe that you go through to get into an ensuite bathroom with shower and whatnot so that's kind of like our master suite as it were and then what was the original kitchen that we talked about earlier i've just finished renovating into a utility room so uh, we ripped it out i actually took the units and put them into my garage which is doubles up as a workshop uh, which I renovated over lockdown so that's where I do all my sort of workshop and upcycling and whatnot sits in a lovely garden as well we've got a deck and a nice playhouse for the kids etc barbecue area um so yeah that's about it I'd say it's all lovingly done by our own hands and yeah I mean we've we've torn into the house and we've got it pretty much the way that we want it now and we are happily living in it thanks for coming to my house Sorry I couldn't make you a cup of tea. Yeah, next time maybe you can come in person. A cup of tea next time sounds like a very nice idea. Yeah, 100% (laughs) going to hold you to that, Gigi. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Yep, I've got the kettle on, um, but I'll be be having a solo cup of tea right now. I feel like this is the biggest project that we've, like, kind Mm. of, we're going to dive into, because you are really hands-on, aren't you? Have you always had the skills to be able to renovate something like this? Yeah, I, I grew up in a house where, you know, because there wasn't a, a lot of money going around, we had to be thrifty. And if something needed fixed, you fixed it yourself. So as a result, my dad taught me all the sort of craft skills and that kind of built up over years. Every summer, there was a big project that needed done. There was a new roof on a conservatory or something in the garden, a terrace needed built, kitchen fitted. So yeah, that, that I built up over years of growing up. And then when it came time for me to buy a house and get on the property ladder... I started at the bottom and worked my way up. And I don't know, I'm about halfway up now, I guess. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Well, that was going to be my next question. When will you stop? Because it feels like you've been, I want to set the picture. We can see you in your upcycling um, workshop, which is your Mm. garage. And then you you mentioned to us, oh, yeah, see the wall behind me. It's like for an old cot that I just upcycled. And I was like, you really do just get your hands on everything and use it. It's brilliant. But will there be a moment where you just go, I'm done now. I've I've upcycled everything. Um, for this house, although we debate all the time, we're like, oh, especially because of lockdown, let's be honest, you're all kind of getting a bit like itchy feet and you're like, maybe we should move, do that sort of stuff. But actually, I think as we've got it, this is our home for at least the next five, 10 years because yeah. it's a great place for young kids. The family's not getting any bigger, uh, I can say. Uh, <laughs> so we've got the space we need. And um, yeah, like we've just about got it the way we want it. I kind of want to enjoy it. Do you feel like you always need to be somewhere where there's something else to be done? Yeah, yeah, I, I I can't help but get my hands dirty. I'm the kind of person that no matter where I am, even if I'm like in the highlands of Scotland and I'm walking <laughs> along a path and I see a bridge that's kind of a bit in disrepair, I'm like, oh, I'd just love to fix that. Um, you know, that, that dry stone wall's just not quite right. I'll put a few of the bricks back on. Um, 
And yeah, I mean, whenever we've looked at properties in the past, I would never really buy a place which was done. Yeah. Do you fancy coming to move next door to me? Because I quite like the idea of somebody, uh, you know, repairing the driveway every now and then. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, I mean, in fact, that's one of the things of, of lockdown as well, is that finally we've kind of got to know our neighbours too. Yeah. And so there has been a bit of that community stuff going on uh, and, you know, cleaning up the streets together and, you know, the neighbour says, oh, I need a bit off this door because it's been creaking all these years or getting stuck. And I'm like, you know. Just oh, let me fix out. it. <laughs> WD-40 out. Exactly. I love it also, there's kind of like filtering down to your children because you mentioned in your home tour that is it your daughter's got like a kind of arts and craft area and she's got like a makeshift shop. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's where I got it from I, because I got it from my dad and we just grew up, sometimes it felt like a labour because there was like boring jobs that needed <laughs> done. It was like, you know, you don't get to go out and ride your bikes and watch TV till that's done. But there was always exciting stuff that I loved doing. And that's kind of the same for my kids. Like, we've got a vegetable patch out the back, which uh, we do as a family, actually. Uh, and there's kind of, like, I, I had my daughter in there the other day getting mucked in, pulling all the weeds out, and that was, like, her job. <laughs> she had to get it done and finished. My son, is, who's two, is, like, he's no happier than when he's got a toy drill but actually yeah. when he's got one of mine in his hands like I've, even in my workshop i would show you he's got a little tool bench in the corner a little plastic oh, one so no. he'll busy himself on that when i'm getting you know into whatever project i'm doing and you did used to be a design technology teacher didn't you do you feel like you're now using your children as your students <laughs> yes i suppose i am kind of scratching that itch I, listen i want my kids to be able to when I was at university, for example, I was in a flat with, you know, three or four lads and if something got broken, we fixed it rather than call the landlord because we didn't want them to see what we were doing to their flat, basically. But also, <laughs> because, you know, it just meant that I was the one that, that took it upon myself to fix things. And, and I just felt like, you know, that was a useful thing to be. I want my kids to be um, able to survive a shipwreck. That's what I want. Oh, you know? <laughs> that's so good. There must be something you're not good at because you've got like the upcycling skills, the technology skills, the arts and crafts have been passed down. And I was like, they surely mustn't be good at gardening. And then you <laughs> yeah. come and say you've got a vegetable patch. And I'm like, of course you've got a vegetable patch. Um, are you rubbish at cooking? <laughs> I... I, yeah, well. You have um, to be rubbish at something. Ariel's determined. No. The problem is, I think I'm good at cooking. The problem is, my wife is so good at it that she does it all. Okay. But I, I like to walk in at the end, stir the pot, and be like, oh, yeah, look what I've just done. Have you got, a, got a, maybe a wormery that you can use to replenish your garden vegetable patch with the wastage from your food? So geeky, but I'm really excited about my compost this year. <laughs> I built a compost heap last year, and you know the the compost is coming of age. And uh, I've I've stirred it, and I've I've got it looking good. And whenever my daughter finds a worm, she takes it down and throws it in it. And oh, wow. um, yeah. I'm going to go and put it in my vegetable patch. God, I'm so rock and roll. This is, uh... I would love to be. It's so, like, it's great. It's, like, so self-sufficient. Do you know what I mean? If, like, you know, if ever we couldn't get hold of, like, groceries, you're fine. You're sorted. You've got the whole, like, vegetable patch down. I try to... Um, like grow a chili tree once that's the, the the closest I've got on my balcony mm. and it just nothing ever happened it just withered and I'm just like okay anyone who has the skill sets to grow their own vegetables or even a herb garden I live for just being able to have a herb garden it's not going to happen though is it <laughs> the the key is uh, watering them I believe Ariel <laughs> I do and do you know what I read that if you talk to them and if you sing to oh, them they, do what do we know dear I think, I think we know where Ariel's been going that. wrong here <laughs> Do you, yeah, Jay, did you? Because I feel I like. I mean, it's not. It's not the only thing you should do for a 
the plan. <laughs> but the, the, I believe the theory is, you know, you sing to them, blah, 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 but it's actually because you're breathing carbon dioxide on them, isn't it? Oh. And so therefore they, uh, they flourish. That's what I heard. Just to defend you quickly, I would absolutely and have licked a Himalayan salt bath. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and uh, what does it taste like? <laughs> it what? tastes like salt. But I couldn't salty. resist. Yeah, of course yeah. it was. Couldn't help myself. So if you know you were you were a pot of salt short for a risotto, you could just go and chisel a little bit of your salt lamp away, <laughs> sprinkle it over. Well, we were talking about lighting there because George has um, the skills of like lighting design and whatnot. Are you partial to like lamps? Is lighting important in the home? Yes, absolutely. Again, the design stuff, in fairness, is handled by my wife. Uh, do you know what my favourite one is? And I don't know what it is, but it just kind of strangely reminds me of my childhood, I think. In your kitchen, it's the ones underneath your units, you know, mm. like your top <laughs> units, that, that light your work surface. I just remember my mum and dad like doing like the Christmas cooking or like, you know, like a dinner party and they'd put those ones on when they were doing yeah. the cooking. Like that's the, right, I'm going to enjoy my cooking tonight, lights, <laughs> yes. rather than I'm making you macaroni cheese, <laughs> you know, get pack you off to bed. And I can't help but do that. Like, I'm, you know, when I cook my one meal of the year, because uh, we're having people over, I get those lights on under the cabinets. <laughs> I'm getting serious now. <laughs> Makes it feel like it's a proper event. Yeah, but I just love it. I just, you're absolutely right. It, it, it's nice to to have that switch of of daylight, you know, into your yeah. into the big light. And then into that, let's let's watch telly or you know, hunker down for the night, and and that's when the lamps come in. And we've got we've got the wood burning stove underneath our telly as oh, well, and that's yes. that's the next level. Yeah. <laughs> just such a satisfying feeling. I was recently filming. Oh, we were staying in like little kind of log cabins up in Scotland. So it had a wood burner, and even though I've got one at home, I still can't resist popping yeah. it on because yeah. it just feels cozy. <laughs> I did that in July once in a wood cabin, just because I'm the novelty of. <laughs> having a log burner I don't have one in my wee flat and it's great it's like that was the most like natural light isn't it that makes you feel warm and cozy nothing beats a flame and whenever there is an open fire going in my house it's right below the telly the same as you and I'm never watching the telly I'm just straight away looking into the flames because I find it far more interesting therapeutic so so in the marines we were out out in the field so like when you were deployed somewhere that's called the field mm. and whenever there was a fire on we called it field tv because you just can't <laughs> help but just sit there and stare at it did you tell many stories around the uh, the field tv yeah telling ghost stories to one <laughs> yeah. another uh, well yeah i mean there's it's you can't help it i mean yeah. in fairness that was pretty much what kept morale alive in the marines was telling stories but i'll save them for another day <laughs> Well, I mean, you've been at your place for five years. You've obviously got loads of stories of renovation there and you nearly said you finished it. And then you mentioned, oh, but I'm going to build a mezzanine floor. Yeah, just a casual <laughs> mezzanine. No uh, no biggie. <laughs> Is yeah. that something that you think you'll be able to do? Look. Yeah, like yeah, so you do yeah. are so skilled at this. Like it's been learned over years, in fairness. But yeah, we got this big bedroom with a really high ceiling, and I want to build a nice mezzanine with a slide built in. Yeah. The, no uh, way. Shelf, but the, the lot. Really? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah, we're literally about to start. And like, you must have a lot of patience then. I think this is why I don't like DIY because I don't have patience. So I tried to do some tiling the other day and I did it wrong and round where the plug socket was. And all I really need to do is go back and cut that tile to size. Yeah. But I haven't bothered. And so what it's meant is I just got an exposed plug socket on the wall. So like to build a mezzanine floor, like you must, you're going to have to have so much patience for that, surely. 
You are right. It does take patience. Yeah. Do you know what it is? I'm actually, because I'm dyslexic, my ability to picture things in 3D is much stronger than the, than the average human being, apparently. Mm. And wow. I can do that. I can design and I can make something in my head and I can foresee the problems and the issues along the way. And then being able to step back and go, I did that. Yeah. That, that's, that's why I always look for a project. Yeah. What would you say is the thing that you're most proud of having made? Ooh... It's it's a really good question. Uh, I mean, I it's corny. I really do love most things that I've built. <laughs> but to to be fair, one thing for starters. So I made my dad a chess set. No, mm. in fact, it started. I made him a chess table for my Christmas one year. Oh wow! And then the next year, I whittled him a chess set that went with it. So <laughs> in light and dark wood, you know, my dad and I are very close. He's taught me everything I know. But when I handed it to him, he just shook my hand. That's all he did. And I was just so proud. <laughs> the pieces you made, for, you actually made like like the, the rook and the king and the knight and everything, like that by detail? Hand. Yeah, I mean, thankfully at the time, because I was working as a teacher, I had the workshop to mm. use. The tricky thing about doing something like that is repetition. You've got to do 16 pawns that look the same. Oh. Now one, eight, eight of them in ash and eight of them in oak. Um, but yeah, you've got to do four rooks that look the same for um whatever else is on there uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but in fairness that was before i got injured and before my hands got smashed to pieces in afghanistan and so a lot of the things that i've done since i'm really proud of because i've had to relearn yeah so much of of my crafting ability and so i'm just trying to think what's the sort of the standout thing that i've done since then that i kind of go this should be impossible. And it's just stupid mundane things, actually. Like, I remember once I was plumbing a toilet and I just couldn't get a nut and a bolt to go on, basically. And it took me forever <laughs> just because of my hands. And I was screaming at the thing, but I got it eventually. And every time I walked into that bathroom, I was like, I remember how much of a pain that was. <laughs> I love that. I'd be like, yeah, determination got me there and I won in the end. I love that. Yeah. I'm so here for that pride. Um, you've talked about skills and everything you've been able to learn and relearn. Let's talk about your dance skills because Strictly came calling and it's going to naturally lead me into the costumes because I am here for all the fashion. But that experience, were you a dancer before per se? No, I'm probably still not one now. Uh, oh, not at all. Not at all. That was the point, though. That's why I was coming from zero, because it was a proper get-outside-my-comfort-zone experience. Because yeah. in fairness, like, you know, a lot of my mates who've been injured and whatnot, we were always looking for some sort of challenge, but most of those things end up being climbing mountains or rowing over <laughs> oceans and things, and that's kind of what Just we did before. Just small things, <laughs> yeah. you know. Yeah, but, but it, it's that sort of like, when whenever I see my mates doing like a sponsorship thing of, you know, climbing mountains, it's like, that's what you like doing. <laughs> <laughs> so now we can just add dance to another thing that JJ is irritatingly good at. <laughs> Oh, no, I don't think. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I, it was amazing. It was absolutely wild and amazing. And when you see the level of commitment it takes for those dancers mm. to get to that level, it's such a privilege to get to dance with them because it's, it's, you're, it's like going for a driving lesson with Lewis Hamilton, you know? It's yeah. just that they are the very best at what they do. And for me as well, it was the chance to just go in and experience their world because it's just... 
it's different mm. and it's totally to some people they might find it strange but it's like someone coming to the military for a, a week or for three months as i did like it's just an insight into an entirely different way of life but yeah i mean i've never seen so much glitter in all my life <laughs> well let's talk about it because i m- remember reading that strictly are quite amazing that they're very green in their costumes so a lot of it's like recycled plastic isn't it the beads and the sequins you have a walk-in wardrobe, which sounds fabulous. How many Strictly outfits do you still own and are hanging in that walk-in wardrobe? I did really well. Did I did you? really well. Yeah. So most years, they don't let you take anything, like for, from the main stuff, because there's going to be a tour. Now, unfortunately, yeah. because of the restrictions, there wasn't a tour. So at the end of it, they said you can take one outfit away, <gasps> mm-hmm. for starters. And so in the final, when we all came back to do the final, I was wearing the, the purple suit. Mm-hmm. And I was wearing it as we had like a drink afterwards. And they were like, are you not going to take that thing off? And I went, no, no. I'm going to wear it home on the flight. And I just <laughs> took it home. So I got that. Mm-hmm. But I was really lucky throughout Strictly. So one week, the Royal Marines made a uniform for me to wear. Oh, so I got to keep that amazing. afterwards, which is incredible. Mm. They got a kilt made for me, yes. and so I got to keep the kilt. Yes. Um, the, the rest of the kilt dress went into the you know went into the wardrobe, but they let me keep the kilt. And when I did Butch Cassidy in the Sundance Kid, he wore his, the bowler hat, and that fell into my bag oh, at the end of the day. Absolutely. <laughs> Have any of these um, garments made their way into your everyday wardrobe, or do they sort of stay nestled away at the back? Actually, for uh, what we're we doing, things oh. World Book Day the other day, my daughter went as Alice from Alice in Wonderland. And so when I dropped her off, I wore my bowler hat and a bow tie to go as the Mad Hatter. (laughs) I love that. I just, the kilt I didn't see. Is it a sequin kilt or was it kind of more traditional? Well, there was threats of sequins, but it was very traditional. It was quite stripped back that week. But yes, they got my family tartan made and they made it in the space of like 48 hours. It was madness. So family tartan, they pleated it in a special way that the military would have them pleated as well. Uh, So honestly, like you were saying, the attention to detail is amazing. But also, Mm. yeah, the fact that so much of it is reused. Mm. Like so much. Amy had the most amazing dresses throughout the series. But only one of them was made from scratch. Some of it was bought in a store and sort of added to. And some of it was, you know, it was out of their stock that they had. Like the very first week, she wore this incredible dress. But when it came in on Friday or Saturday... It was pink. And the next day, it was grey and it was covered in flowers and covered in diamonds. And covered in, it's just like they just throw more and more at it. And everybody on that show works so hard. Mm. But I don't think anyone would argue that nobody works harder than, than the costume department. Yeah. yeah, It's unbelievable what they can pull off. Have you ever uh, tried, tried your hand at making any, uh, <laughs> any garments? To... <laughs> well, we see you no, sequins uh, onto that yeah, yeah, te- textile is not so much my thing, but my mum, my mum's really good at it, and she makes my daughter little bits and pieces. And whenever Aww. I'm doing like a project, like I made, I made my that kitchen I was telling you about, and mm. the, the, the little play kitchen. We made a little shop for it, and uh, it has a little canopy that hangs off it. And so my mum made that part of it, and then I built the rest of it. Aww. So she's my go-to upholsterer, <laughs> is what she is. It's like the Wonder Family, <laughs> keep I it love in the it. family. <laughs> And when you're not sequining it up, what's the uh, the general area of your wardrobe looking like day to day? Oh, t- terrible. I mean, t- right now, and as of lockdown, a pair of like work trousers and just an old scrotty jumper. But I'm I'm not one that fusses too much about what he wears. 
other than when I'm on telly. Like, suddenly you have to worry about what you wear, what you look like, <laughs> not that kind of malarkey. But again, my wife picks out my clothes for me usually. <laughs> well, I, I have to ask you, because being Scottish myself, and I, I have some Scottish tokens in my house. So I'm a Ouija, I'm a Glaswegian, so I've got a few mm-hmm. kind of, like I've got a placemat that has like a Glaswell saying on it. I feel like we need to give George some like Scottish insights on mm. like some food. Like, what is your favourite scran from Scotland? Have you Oof. got... I mean, I can't, a chippy, but like, I mean, like a haggis supper. I love, love a good haggis oh. supper. Deep fried stuff. Deep, we like deep fried, yeah. I'm partial to a Lauren sausage. Have you ever heard what that is? No, I've not. Go on. It's, a, it's square sausage. Okay. It's just like, it's, it's still minced, but it's just in a square shape rather than like yeah. tubular. <laughs> and depending on what part of the country you live in, it's either a square sausage, a flat sausage, a sausage slice, yes. or a Lauren sausage. And a Lauren sausage. Is this deep fried? Um, you fry it, cook it. Okay, yeah. it can yeah. be as with everything. Not bad, but <laughs> no, it, it's it's just a sausage cooked like a sausage. My- perfect shape for a roll. <laughs> that's, that's the thing. It's the perfect shape for a roll, so you don't have to go through the trouble uh-huh. of cutting your sausages in half like your usual ones, which are always a bit messy and a bit bulky. This one's just a flat square, and it sits perfectly with a tatty scone. Do you know what a tatty scone is? <sighs> I do not know what a tatty. So then scone that's my favourite no. Scottish scran. Mm. Um, it's a slice of potato, isn't it? That also fits really yeah. perfectly into roll is really thin uh-huh. and again you fry them <laughs> <laughs> I'm sensing a theme here yeah there's a theme yeah. but my favourite thing whenever I go home is that I used to go to my brother's flat and he'd always have a wee roll tatty scone and square sausage waiting for me with a wee bit of ketchup oh brilliant mm. I can... completely agree with tatty scone oh. completely. <laughs> um, I do have to ask so George is about to move into his new place mm. and we always ask each one of our guests to give a top tip so this has been everything from sound systems to uh, dog-shaped uh, speakers, speakers yeah, LED and, lighting. And like, what was that we've had? Um, Flooring. We had terrar- a terrarium. Terrarium we had. One, yeah. 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 Um, would you have any tip in particular for George to make his home a home? Oh, that's good. What is it? Is that a house? Is that a flat? What it's going to be a flat. It's the old good mattress or a good pillow, isn't it? Ah, uh, uh, not had that. Like, not. Pillows are they're, they're a funny thing, aren't they? First of all, pillows... Why do they make them the thickness they do? Isn't one <laughs> pillow just too thin yes. and two pillows just too thick? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. What is that about? I think if I started making like a one and a quarter size pillow, you'd make a fortune, surely. <laughs> um, but biggest revelation we've had recently, my wife just bought us silk pillowcases. <gasps> oh, hello. Good for the wrinkles, I've heard. I know. <laughs> I, no, it's true. That's what she said. It's good. So they That's what she said. Silk pillowcases and a silk eye mask. I wouldn't Stops know. you from getting... You're too young, George. <laughs> George is practically newborn. Um, but yeah, no. And this is my thing. Doesn't mean your head kind of slides around a bit more on mm. the pillow. That's true. Uh, you do notice that. Yeah, <laughs> you're not wrong. <laughs> So is comfort and your your bed a very important part of, of what home means to you? Yeah, I mean, I've been in some pretty austere conditions in my life and I don't mm. want for much. Like, you know, the Marines, Afghanistan, even a lot of travelling these days. So, yeah, there's no kind of feel like getting home and it's often late at night. So you're coming in, have a little look at the kids in their beds and then jump in my bed myself. <laughs> and that is an amazing feeling. Yeah. I love that. Totally with you. Thank you so much for inviting us all round to yours, JJ. Yes, thank you. We can't, do you know what? I can't wait to hear about your next project. (laughs) And the top tip for you to take away, George, is pillow. Get yourself a decent pillow with silk. Silk pillow. Silk silk cases. I'm on it. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, JJ. (laughs) Thanks, JJ. Amazing. Thank you. Cheers. Bye. 
Thank you so much for listening. Join us next time when we'll be joined by Duncan James on All Round Mine with Primark. No way. <laughs> yes way. Straight from the circle onto the podcast. Cannot wait. <laughs>